0: Well, hello again, this is Shane and this is Heartlines on today's show, episode 52. Yes, I have a radio broadcasting legend. He was one half of the F104 phone show and also co-host of his own podcast of Opinions Matter. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the one and only Adrian Kennedy. Welcome to the show, Adrian.
1: How are you? I'm go- it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, good to see you, Adrian. Now, you're a radio legend to me because I- I've listened to you growing up. But how did you get into radio? Going to college to train for radio?
1: Uh, No, is the simple answer. In fact, uh, I actually did a a piece on News Talk this week about bullying and how um, when I was at school, I was really badly bullied. And that leads me into radio in in a very strange way. I hated school. I was bullied badly. And then I found this little radio station out in Bray that took me in I started to do radio shows on a Wednesday afternoon and a Saturday afternoon at 16 years of age. And if I'm to be honest with you, it was a savior. It was something that actually saved me from myself because I I just couldn't wait to get out of school. I didn't know where I was going to go. I was quite bright. I was quite intelligent. I could have done well. If I put my mind to it, but because of the bullying that I experienced in school, I just wanted out and uh, radio was that out. So I did my very first uh, radio show in June 1983. So that's not yesterday or the day before at a tender age of just 16 on a Saturday morning at seven o'clock. And my mother drove me up to the studio. And yeah, so that's, that's where it all started. And radio was something that had always fascinated me. I'd, I'd, I'd really been uh, very interested in radio since a very young age and I never thought I'd actually get to work in it, but fortunately I did.
0: But When you were growing up, did you have that kind of nose for talking to people? Cause you know, I, I know you from growing up, listening to the from a phone show, going to bed and the topics that we talk about was very like close to the bone, like close to my heart sort of thing. And, and, and the people of Dublin and the surrounding areas. So were you that kind of person who was very curious of people and would like ask questions all the time sort of thing?
1: No, not really. (laughs) At the start, when I started in radio, I wanted to be a DJ because DJs were really cool and I wasn't really cool and I wanted to be the fellow doing the top 30 chart on a Saturday afternoon and that was really all I wanted to do at the start. And the whole talk end of things happened just by accident, uh, to be quite honest. I was involved in a, a small station in Bray called BLB And BLB then applied for a license and eventually got a license. And that station today is now East Coast Radio in Wicklow. And I was involved at the very start of East Coast. And originally I was the station manager, but I hated management. I just, I remember having to sack somebody once. And I had a sleepless night over the fact that this fellow who'd been robbing from us had to be sacked. I was the one that had to do it, and I had this anxiety, fear thing about having to sack him. So management just wasn't for me. Radio management wasn't for me. Now, in hindsight, maybe if I'd have stuck at it, I (laughs) made a few more bob, but um, it just didn't suit me. So I kind of steered in a different direction and got involved in the news department in the radio station, And then by accident ended up presenting the mid-morning talk show, which is to this day is the show that Declan Meehan still presents on East Coast Radio uh, in County Wicklow to this very day. And ironically, only four weeks ago, I actually got to fill in for Declan doing the exact same radio show that I had started 30 years ago. So the whole talk radio thing started by fluke. And that's (laughs) the simple answer to that. And getting involved in the phone show also started by Fluke. Um, at the time, Scott Williams, who was the program director of FM 104 at the time, happened to hear me on on East Coast Radio doing the morning show. They were stuck for somebody to fill in for the nighttime show, and I got a call. So it was all Fluke. I'd love to say it was some master plan, some uh, may you know big project of mine, and a career pro- progression in that direction, but no, it was just... Utterly and totally fluke. One of the things that that made the phone show so successful over, over the years, I took over the, the phone show in 1997. And at, at that point, I was working with FM 104. I'd been doing fill-in work for Chris Barry, who was doing the show back in the day. Uh, but I was also the head of news with FM 104 and I was doing the, the fill-in work at the same time. And they gave me a choice. And the choice was... We need somebody, Chris Barry has left, we need somebody to take over the phone show full-time, or you can stick with your head of news job. Now, <laughs> in hindsight, maybe I might have been better off sticking with the head of news job, but I did it, and I got 17 great years out of it um, presenting the, 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 the phone show on FM 104. I really enjoyed it, but, like, all good things have to come to an end, and it wasn't yeah. that we... Uh, were let go by FM 104 we chose to leave because 17 years working that sort of a nighttime shift really takes its toll on you I think we left the FM 104 phone show at the exact right time because at that time nighttime radio was starting to decline and I can gi- I- I'll give you an example when we left FM 104 in 2013 our show had 50,000 listeners FM 104 at nighttime today has 9,000 listeners. So that is a massive decline. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily because we left. Nighttime radio was on its way out because the proliferation of nighttime entertainment that people now have available to them uh, means that nighttime radio was always going to decline. So I think we left at just the right time. That wasn't by choice. Uh, that wasn't by plan, by the way. But as I look back at, at radio listenership figures since 2013, maybe we sped it up a little bit, but uh, nighttime radio was and, it was and continues to be in decline. Yeah.
0: No, okay. I can see that as well. Um, but also as well, like you're saying, you, you, in hindsight, you, you could have stayed in head of news. Would head, does head of news get to you know be a presenter or is just overseeing all the uh, aspects of that job?
1: It depends really what you want as a career it's ironic okay. now um uh, uh, and we'll come to this in a couple of minutes i was made redundant by 98 fm back in april of this year and ironically for the first time in 28 years um i'm back reading news again and i i'm now working with news talks news department and yeah. uh, we provide uh, network news to the local radio stations and we do news for news talk and today fm and now i'm back reading news again and i uh, i'm working with the guy who actually took me on ironically back uh, years ago was my direct competitor he was the head of news in 98 fm i was the head of news in fm 104 we were direct competitors and now He's the one who actually took me on to read the news. (laughs) It it just goes around in circles. And I often think if I'd have stuck at the news thing, Mm. um, maybe I'd, I'd, who knows? Um, I don't regret having done 17 years of controversial in-your-face nighttime (laughs) radio. But I often wonder, because I'm now back to doing what I was doing in 1998, you know, (laughs) should I have just not stuck at that? Because I was quite good at it at the time. Yeah, but but I don't
0: I don't think um I think because you be, you went to mute away from that head of news you became more of a personality, you know you I don't think you'd be, be a personality I don't know no, yeah, yeah you, you know. don't have
1: that opportunity when you're just a newsreader yeah. a journalist but yeah. so I take that point, and uh, like I said, the the seventeen years that we did the uh, FM one hundred four phone show were brilliant years it re- mm. they really were they were the highlights of my career, uh, they're what I made my name out of if you like uh and uh yeah i I really enjoyed it yeah now you've done the f14 show for
0: so uh phone uh, show for so long and then you must have lots of memories and then when jeremy came along so how did jeremy and you get together regards like were you put together or did were you friends beforehand because um well firstly
1: don't ever use the word friends and jeremy and i together because we're not. <laughs> okay <laughs> so, um Jeremy actually, uh, back in the day, was Chris Barry's producer. And okay. I don't know what happened. They had a falling out or something happened and, and he left. And when I was offered uh, the job to present the phone show, there, there was no, um, they didn't really have a producer. So I said, would you get your man Jeremy back? Because he was quite good. And we did. We asked yeah. him to come back. He had left and gone off and done something else. And he came back and, and joined the team again. And it just kind of developed from there. And initially, he was just the producer of the show. And then we started using him on air more. And then we developed this, I don't know what, what sort of relationship we developed <laughs> over the years. But um, yeah, and, and 25 years later, we're still uh, doing it together. Yeah, no, it's don't quote that. me on that. Don't quote me on that. Adrian and Jeremy are still doing it together, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, of okay. course. Well, if you're saying our friends, I'll tell you that that's that's an enduring relationship. No, like, it, you
1: know what I mean? Not friends is a bit harsh, but um, I mean, we wouldn't socialize together. I, I, geez, the thoughts are going for a pint with them. My <laughs> god, a almighty, wreck your head. Here's the thing about the two of us we we argue about everything and anything and yeah. people often think you know the, the the arguments that we have between us are staged arguments they're actually not right. <laughs> we we're, we're actually so different as people that they are legitimate genuine arguments that we have over i'll give you an example we did a podcast yesterday uh about uh, smoking dope and yeah. Uh, it, it was a conversation about a mother putting her children to bed and having a spliff after the kids had gone to bed. And he was like, oh, this is absolutely outrageous. And the conversation turned around to being how how naive he really is. And I'm not I don't smoke dope either, but I have a much more liberal, open minded view than he would have. So we're very, very different people. And honestly, that translates into real life as well. Yeah, uh, 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 definitely. There's,
0: there's always some drama going on, but but, but in the heart, of what I feel, you, you you do like each other deep down. I, I feel that, but I, yeah, I well, guess if you're
1: together after twenty five years, yeah. <laughs> some sort of a liking there. there is something. Yeah,
0: yeah. You talked about lots of different things. You know, what's your, what memorable moments stand out to you? What, what what moments stand out in the show, good, bad, or different that you'll you'll never really forget from that
1: time. Uh, as presenting the F on the show? I think the one, the one thing I'll always remember is living in the window of Cleary's where we, we did a stint two years in a row where we did a charity fundraiser and we were going to live in the window of Cleary's for uh, a week. And it was literally what it said on the tin. We were living in the front window of Cleary's for a week. And my Jesus, that was the most horrific experience of <sighs> my life. And what I mean by that is, okay, so at 12 o'clock had come around and we had bunk beds in the windows, of, in the window of Cleary's and we had to get into bed at 12 o'clock and it's like, right, okay, I have to go sleep now. Uh, and Then somebody had knocked on the window, all right, Aido, Aido, wake up there, Aido. And then at one o'clock, wake up, Aido, wake up, Aido. <laughs> anyway, for a whole week, I didn't sleep. It was awful. And it got to the stage by the last day of doing that, the security guard in Cleary's came into me and he said, you look in a bad way. And I said, I am in a bad way. And he, <laughs> he put a pillow into my bed to make it look like I was in the bed. And he brought me out and he snuck me upstairs into the beds department in Cleary's and I slept for four hours in a bed in the beds department in Cleary's and then he snuck me back into the window <laughs> when everybody was walking by, going to work in the morning there, I was still in bed. Anyway, it, it, it's just one of... So if you're talking about the show itself, yes, I have some great memories, but of, of the... 17 actually in the 20 years i was in fm 104 my Mm. favorite memory and i look at the cleary's building and think i slapped it slept in the window of that for a whole week and that's a very favorite memory of mine it was a brilliant week we had five thousand people outside the window of cleary's when we had westlife in the window and yeah it was it was just it was a great time but in terms of content in terms of topics that we talked about my god we talked about absolutely uh, everything and anything and do i have a favorite memory no some of the weirdest I, I, I loved doing our our annual halloween shows we did shows from the hellfire club from wicklow jail um and a lot of people thought it was all staged it actually wasn't i mm-hmm. uh, one of the examples was we did a live, So we're doing a live show from the Hellfire Club. And I don't know if you've ever been up there. It's, it's scared the shit out of you in daylight, let alone at night
0: yeah, yeah. We
1: set up this studio. We got permission to set up a studio in the Hellfire Club to do a, a live show. And it, it was going great. And where, where the studio bit was set up, there was a, um, a chimney breast just behind me here. And halfway through the show, this thud, boom. And something fell down the chimney and I looked around and I said, what the fuck is that? Looked around and it was a plastic bag. And one of the engineer lads ran over and said, oh my God, what's this? Open the plastic bag. And when I say the smell that came out of this inside the plastic bag was a rotten sheep's head, a decomposing sheep's head. Oh. Now, we don't know who put that there how it fell down the chimney because we had security around the whole complex for the whole day. And in the middle of a live radio show, this rotten sheep's head fell down. And I, I, I will never forget the feeling of <laughs> wanting to vomit because of the smell. So, <laughs> yeah, so I have some great memories. Uh, the live, uh, the Halloween shows, the uh, Living in Cleary's. And obviously every other topic that we ever talked about over 17 years, which are just too many to mention. Yeah, no, but
0: you had some topics as well that were kind of like, you know, like antisocial behavior and stuff like that. And you become a target like you, you knew yourself when you when you say these things and the people ring in and you don't know whether these people are being serious. But I'm sure you'd have like threats against you and stuff like that. Did you did you did you? Take that on board, or do you just kind of what was a, like a water, water of a duck's back in a in sense? Here, people are going, Oh, don't be saying that about my friend, or don't be saying such and such about certain like
1: things that are going on in the media or whatnot. It was normally water, water off a of duck's back until I was actually out DJing one night, and um, I was DJing at uh, in a bar on the north side of Dublin, I won't name the bar, and uh, a sister of at the time one of the biggest criminals in ireland came over and he she grabbed me over the far side of the dj box she reached and grabbed me by the throat i'm gonna fucking kill you. and yeah. she tried to strangle me oh security in the bar actually when i think about it it's horrific security at the bar just happened by fluke to spot her out of the corner of their eye ran over and pulled her off me that was one experience and then there was another experience where i was out with friends one night and we got invited into this particular bar in um, a not particularly nice part of Dublin, but we went anyway. Walked into this bar and within 10 minutes I was being threatened with this fella over the far side of the bar. And basically we had to get a, a guard escort out of the pub. So there are two incidents, but they're the only two incidents in mm. 17 years. So normally it was like water off a duck's back. We did have incidents where... Jeremy was stalked by uh, a woman. We did have an incident where uh, I was being threatened. We never took them overly seriously, except in one or two cases. So, yeah, it was, we did have issues, but I've, and still don't take them too seriously. Even now, even as we're doing a, a daily podcast and we do uh, the great thing about a podcast actually is you can do what you want you can say what you want and that's the one thing i'm actually enjoying about it but uh, over the last couple of months we've rubbed a few people up the wrong way kind of the anti-vaxxer brigade we've rubbed up the r- wrong way and they've threatened to hold protests outside our houses they've gotten fairly nasty over the last couple of months but Again, I don't really give a shit. I I nah. don't really take it that seriously. um If it happens to turn into something more than that, then I'll deal with that at that point.
0: Yeah, I think as you said, like you said, I remember listening to one of your phone shows, and you said a line. You said, "You know, I'm not here to have one or opinion or other. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm sitting in the middle there, and I will kind of jump in, but." If you go over the line i'll, I'll bring it back in you're just chairing the argument so it could be something about you know something gangland or some some sort of uh, anti-social behavior or something that's going on in dublin and no one's really talking about it or everyone's talking about it, and you want to shine light on it you know so you play it you play that role very well you
1: know and one of the things i'm enjoying about uh, doing the podcast is not having to play that role yeah um, and it's interesting this week i've been doing the lunchtime live show on news talk and again i'm back to doing that role of mediating between people and stuff like that the beauty of doing a a podcast and one of the things I'm really enjoying about our opinions matter podcast which we're doing now is not having to do that I can give my own opinion I can tell somebody to fuck off if I want to I couldn't for years and years and Uh, years even Jeremy only two weeks ago and in fact believe it or not one of the most listened to podcasts we've done this year has been one where I told him to fuck off at my <laughs> face, and it was one of our most listened to podcasts this year. So I'm actually enjoying the freedom of doing podcasting, and uh, it, it's such a contrast between doing what we do in our little studio here on the on the podcast and then being on national radio on News Talk, uh, doing the lunchtime show. The contrast is actually quite severe. Uh, had a conversation the other day about the the protests outside Tony Houlihan's house and stuff like that. And obviously that riles up the anti-vaxxers and I'm actually loving winding them up. I have to be honest with you. And again, the freedom of of doing the podcast versus being on national radio, like news talk is quite, um, it's quite a severe contrast. But um, no, so so our podcast, what we're doing with the podcast is very like a radio show. Uh, we do it live on Facebook, so we get some interaction from, uh, from listeners and viewers, and then we turn that into a, a podcast. It's actually working quite well.
0: How was it going into 90FM when you moved from the late-night shift on F104 for so long, and then you moved into the morning, sh- morning slot on 90FM? What was, the, what was that like? How did that affect uh, your kind of style, or how did you have to adapt to a certain um, different demographic in a sense?
1: Uh, not so much a different demographic, but a different time of the day. Okay, that was the biggest, the biggest adaptation we had to make. What I had sold to ninety eight FM at the time, back in twenty thirteen, we we chose to leave FM one hundred four. I mentioned this earlier on yeah. because we had just had enough of working nights. I I'd had enough. Jeremy had as well, to be honest, and. 98FM originally approached us to do their nighttime show. And I said, absolutely not. Why would I leave FM 104 to come over to 98FM to do a nighttime radio show that nobody listens to? Um, And I threw at them the idea of doing a daytime version of a nighttime show on morning radio. And we talked, and eventually they liked the idea. So... Dublin Talks was created back in 2014. We went on air in 2014, and the, I suppose that the most difficult part was adapting to being on daytime radio. That we couldn't get away with uh, bad language, for example, which we were able to get away with at nighttime. It wasn't as in as in your face as nighttime radio can be. It still had a little bit of edge, but it kind of. It developed over the the following seven years. We did the show for seven and a half years. And I suppose it kind of developed along with me to the point that when I finished with 98FM in April, it wasn't a big leap for me then to do the lunchtime show on News Talk a couple of weeks later. (laughs) We'd kind of morphed the show into a a current affairs show. A lot of people said, ah, you're not the same fella you used to be, but you you couldn't be doing uh, a show on on daytime radio. And it it, it did very well up until COVID-19 hit. And when COVID-19 hit, the radio industry got a real kick in the arse. And I, I remember back in March of last year, March and April, we were still doing our show every day. And to hear no ads on your ad breaks so you take an ad break and the only ad that was on in that ad break was an ad for uh by the department of the t-shirt about COVID 19 restrictions that scared the shit out of me because i thought hang on if there's no money coming in our show on 98 fm is costing them a lot of money this isn't going to end well and ultimately it didn't end well because back in april we were made redundant and i blame COVID 19 on us being made redundant because the show was doing very well. It was certainly uh, during the pandemic period, the reaction we were getting every day was unreal, but I know ultimately that horrible virus made me lose my job because it was, it, it restricted the advertising to into the company. Uh, there were times that we were playing zero ads. And that and i know our show was the most expensive show on 98 because talk radio costs much more money than a dj just press and play on the next song and then yeah back in in april we uh, back in march we were called into a meeting that's thanks for the good times but it's come to an end and yeah. we were made redundant we were lucky in that we were uh, staff with 98 we weren't contractors so uh they we had to be paid redundancy obviously to be to be laid off and all of that so i'm not whinging uh, although i have never been laid off in a job before in my life so i found it very very difficult i know jeremy did as well but uh, shit happens as they say Mm. and here we are eight Seven months later, uh, still fighting the good fight. One of the other problems we've had in the last year and a half is there's been no Jane or radio research. So we haven't been able to say, but actually loads of people are listening to our show because they haven't been able to do the research. So it's just been a shit show, to be honest, in the last year and a half. Mm. And a show like ours just took the hit for it. And yeah, I mean, being called into a meeting like that, to be told, lads, thanks for the good times, but it's come to an end. was very, very difficult, but I will say we were uh, we were told at the end of March we were being let go. Um, it was up to us. We could have walked out the door and thrown our toys out of the pram at the end of March and said, get out of here. I'm fucking off. I'm going. I don't uh, uh. see you again. Or we were offered the opportunity to do the show for the whole month of April, which is what we ended up doing, and we didn't announce our departure until the end of April, even though we had known for weeks. And in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad we did it that way. I never fell out with anybody, even though I'm, I'm being honest, I was very annoyed. I'm, yeah. I'm still very annoyed that we were made redundant for a show that I think was doing very well. However, uh, I worked in a company that didn't just own 98FM, they own News Talk, mm. they own Spin, they own FM. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't in my interest to um, tell them all to fuck off <laughs> yeah. again. Um, On the day that we left the building, I shook hands with the chief executive who ultimately would have signed my death warrant, and we left on very good terms. Seven weeks later, I was back in the building again doing lunchtime live on News Talk. So, you know, out of something that I found very difficult at the time has come opportunity. I'm actually now this week doing, for the very first time in my career, National radio. I've never done national radio before. So, because I'm a free agent at the moment, News Talk were able to offer me the fill in work on Lunchtime Live, which has been fantastic. So, like I said, you know, I have to look at the positive out of it that I'm now this week working on national radio, which I'd never done before. And I'm also doing the news work, which is also on national radio. Are you just,
0: are you just, uh, are you just uh, filling in for this week? Because I, listen- I actually listened to you. You said to me, uh, listen to it. I did listen to the whole show. It was it was good. I, I listened the kind of Pope was on. You are talking about bullying. It was, it was basically like just listen to you again for the Adrian Kennedy phone show because I just it just your voice has a certain, you know, it just kind of resonates with me, you know, and that's why I liked uh, you over the years, you know.
1: Yeah, no. The news talk offered me when I was finishing on uh, ninety eight back in April. I asked the. The boss lady of News Talk to give me a shot if she had anything coming up. And in fairness to her, she did. Uh, yeah. Patricia, thanks very much, Patricia. Um, and I've been filling in on Lunchtime Live since June of this year. So I'm doing kind of holiday relief work. Um, obviously, I want to be doing more than that. But as I said, I'm very grateful that for the first time in my career, I'm actually working on national radio. So I'm you know, I take a step back and go, okay, I don't have a job at the moment, but still uh, I'm getting to do national radio. And a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to uh, work out in East Coast Radio and Brave, which is where it all started. And that was great. That was a fabulous experience. I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. In a sense, in a sense, covert is kind of, you know, of course it, you know, you you lost a, a job that you were in for a long time. And then it kind of shone the light on, you know the industry and the world in itself and everyone kind of took a step back so it brought you back to basics in a sense and then you know and you're, you're on national radio so in a sense there's, there's a silver lining there in a, in a way you think
1: yeah i hope i hope <laughs> <laughs> i hope in the long i hope by this time next year i actually have a full-time job again um, yeah who knows mm-hmm. time will tell i mean, enjoying doing the freelance work but it's not as secure if you like but um like i said if you'd have asked me six months ago would i be working national radio i'd have said absolutely not no i do a dublin radio show and here i am six months later uh only two hours ago i finished doing a show on national radio so yeah i'm trying to look at the positives out
0: of uh losing my job did you not have any interest in being national radio like you didn't want to be like speaking to the farmer over in Kerry or or, or like the, you know, the teachers down in Cork or whatever, you know, sort of thing. Did you not have that interest? You know,
1: or I've always been a, maybe not by choice. I don't know. How, I've always been a Dublin actor. I've always been known in Dublin. And I no. know even when I go outside Dublin, people wouldn't know my name in uh, outside Dublin as much as they would inside Dublin. Hmm. Uh, I've done things over the last couple of years like uh, uh, the panel on Moran Dahi's Today show I've done that for the last couple of years and that's helped a little bit but um, doing national radio is is a, is a step up the ladder a little bit even though it's not full time work I'm I'm delighted to be doing it uh, I, I I see you're wearing your Dublin colours I know it wasn't this year it wasn't
0: even <laughs> it's a, it's a good job, yeah. it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even Mayo's year it might be next year you know maybe next year, Always yeah, next year. If,
1: they, <laughs> if they couldn't knock Dublin out and then go on to win uh, this year then there's no hope
0: sorry that <laughs> To, to go to go on national radio, you probably need to knock at a double no deal in a sense and not be like, oh, six in a row, seven in a row. You know, to like I'll be a bit more humble, but I guess you yeah. know it it swings around about yeah. like, it was Tyrone's year this year, maybe next year's Kerry Mayo, who knows, you know.
1: All right, yeah. No, I, I, I I'm I've been following GAA for years. I absolutely love to watch it. Uh I actually got to go to two of the matches this year in Croker, which was fantastic. And yeah i look forward to being uh in the stadium next year with eighty three thousand people the way it should be uh, yeah absolutely
0: now i recently done a radio course and i didn't realize you know the amount of work that goes into you know broadcasting and, and journalism in itself so with all that understanding of your years of experience what advice would you give a people for, who are thinking of getting into radio as a career or as a hobby and then just to get more experience in a sense do
1: you want an honest answer
0: Honest answer, please, Adrian.
1: Don't do it.
0: Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> okay.
1: And the reason I say that, and okay, I, I, go, maybe go. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a grumpy old man at this yeah. stage, but uh, radio isn't what it used to be. And what I mean by that is there, okay. there was a time, and I, I happened to benefit from it in that for 25-odd years, I've happened to reach... Nearly as high as you can go in radio in Ireland and, re- and made a fairly reasonable, decent living out of it over that period of time. Okay. But I'm one of the few and far between. And I look at the average person working in the average radio station with the average job, and I wouldn't recommend it to my own children. That's the God's honest truth, because the money is shite. Um, there are some jobs... I, I, I could tell you of some jobs that you would think if you were to listen to the person doing this particular job, you think, oh, they, yeah, they earn decent money for doing that. You would be horrified if I told you the, the the pay rates that some people are getting paid in, in radio in Ireland. Yes, there are some that uh, eventually earn decent money out of it. If you're working on, mm. if you're Claire Bourne and RTE or Joe Duffy or whatever, you earn a decent wage, but they are, two or three or four or five people in the whole of the industry and generally speaking the money isn't great in radio that's now it can lead to other things it can lead to television work and all of that but um if if my kids ask me tomorrow dad uh, i i'm wanting to go into i'm thinking of going into radio i would say you are not so. I'm sorry <laughs> if that burst your bubble, Elizabeth. Uh, uh. I sound like a cynical old man. I do see young people coming into radio, and they're very enthusiastic. And um, you know, they're because they're younger, they can work for less money and all of that. But if if they think it's uh, it's you know the money is going to grow on the radio tree, it doesn't, and that's the sad reality of it. And I, I'll be honest, I'm now discovering that. That I'm, I don't have a full time job, that I am doing freelance work. I now realize how shit the money actually is in, in Irish radio. Do you think a lot of the young, because I, I, I know there's a lot of, I listen
0: to, I know if you listen to Spin, for example, Spin has lots of these chirpy, kind of cool kid thing. And that's what
1: that, that's they're what all I great. And I know most they are, of them are all, all radio but, Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but they all, Will but, they still but, be in radio in 20 years? Any one of them? I would argue no. Okay.
0: But you think a lot of these guys, because, you know, maybe Gen Z, is that Gen Z? Is that Gen Z? You know, these kind of, not the millennials, they're kind of very media savvy. They're very social media savvy. They're building a brand for themselves. And that, on the back of that brand, they'll get success. Maybe not on radio, but in something else.
1: Yeah. 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 And it, it's, it's not just radio anymore. And that's the point that I was making, that yeah. I don't believe it is possible for a young person starting off now to start a career in radio that will last them the rest of their career, if you know what I mean, because you have to have so many other branches to your brand and it is all about building uh, a a brand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So the radio landscape has changed
0: a lot over the years, but as you said, okay, so you said, don't go into radio. Okay. duly noted. There you go.
1: (laughs) Sorry (laughs) (laughs) to burst your bubble. I really am. (laughs) But uh, but that is, I mean, an honest answer to an honest question. Absolutely. um, I, I, I've always said if I could get, and this is, so I'm 53 now, and if I can get to retirement out of radio, I'll be happy enough. But I don't see it going much further than that. Um, Radio will always be here. But it's now become so computerized and mainstreamed. It still fills a niche for the Irish audience, but it doesn't require people being paid decent money to put that show on, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. 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 Like i obviously, we we were, well, I I didn't get any studio time, but I was doing the RVT, the the voice tracking. What, what do you find? Do you find that that is difficult to do for yourself if you're voice tracking or do you find better uh, energy in in the studio?
1: Live radio is the only thing that really works for me. Um, You, you just get a, a buzz at a live radio. Now, a lot of what we do with our podcast now is, Recorded, but I like to try and record stuff as if it were live, if you if that makes any sense. And uh, uh, but when I, for example, today sitting in the news talk studio and the red light goes on and you know you're live and you're on national radio, that just gives you an extra buzz of adrenaline. So, uh, but, uh, but this goes back to the point that I'm making that a lot of radio now you will hear a DJ on at 11 o'clock tonight. That. He actually, he or she actually recorded that at ten o'clock this morning mm. uh, in a little studio at home, and they just voice track the whole thing, and they stick their voice in between all the songs. And for the listener, they know no different. But it was done, uh, you know what what appears like might be five hours of work is actually only about twenty minutes work, um, uh, uh. recording all the different links. So like I said, the one and I will go back to the start of our conversation, the one thing that saved me from myself was radio because I got a new group of friends and I found an out to get away from being bullied at school. But that radio isn't what it was 25 years ago, it isn't even what it was 10 years ago. It's lost something. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be asking anybody to get out that. <laughs> And like I said, I know I sound like a cynical old man who lost his job a couple of months ago, but yeah, there you
0: go. Now, when you're talking about, uh, you know, DJing, because like not all radio hosts would be DJs. Would that would it be true in saying that?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, well, I managed to get twenty years doing a late night talk show.
0: But do you DJ much, or 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 is it
1: is it, is a very rare? Uh, I used to. I used to. I worked in Copperface Jacks. I worked in, (laughs) you you name it, actually, in Dublin City. I I worked in over the years DJing. Uh, And actually, I mean, that goes back to the point that I was making about, you know, even during all the years that I was doing a very successful late-night radio show, Uh, I was doing that Monday to Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday I was out DJing because it still didn't pay enough. I was getting fairly well paid. uh, And I still had to do DJing work at the weekend to... Earned that extra couple of bob, but anyway, sorry. Yes, uh, DJing I love doing, and um, <laughs> I actually did my very first gig a couple of weeks ago in a uh, playing background music in an outdoor restaurant, and it was great just to set up my DJ gear, my mixer, my laptop, and it was like I, I never thought I'd be doing this again. I really didn't. So, um, and in a couple of weeks, I'm back on stage again with the. Uh, MC work I do with a company called Kevin Rowe events and we do uh, fundraising events all over the country. We had a load lined up in March of last year and uh, out of nowhere, like everybody, we had to pull the plug on a load of gigs. So one of the gigs that we were meant to host up in Ashburn and Meath in March of last year, we're doing again in two weeks time. So. That's really exciting to actually get back on stage again and do work like that because I love doing that stuff.
0: Now, as I said, we're not we're not too far away from October twenty second. Have you been in touch with Copperface Jacks to be the, the first DJ on the roster?
1: Coppers, grand.
0: man. Coppers will never changed. I hope it never you know, changed,
1: that I never changed. Uh, I worked there in the mid-naughties, so maybe 2002 to 2005 or whatever. Uh, I loved it when I was there, but quite it was <laughs> hard work. It really was. And um Carl Jackson, who owns Copperface Jackson, the man knows what he's doing. He uh, just runs a magical show, uh, but... Uh, I, I enjoyed working there while I worked there but all good things must come to an end as they say uh, and I, I look forward to going back in there actually I'll be, yeah. I will be back in there
0: yeah no definitely no definitely I'll, I'll go for it I'll go to just check it out but uh, no I've I've moved away from Copper it's a more house now but then again I haven't to a nightclub in a long time so I don't know how yeah. I feel when I get back yeah. into it yeah, that's it yeah, yeah.
1: But I, I, I mean I, I have to be honest I, I, I was interested to see earlier on that the um. The central bank is predicting 160,000 jobs are going to be created over the next couple of months which gives me a little bit of hope that i might get a job again but um that the economy is really starting to ramp up and you can feel it you can feel it it took me an hour and 25 minutes to drive into news talk this morning from where i live i live out near the airport it took me an hour and 25 minutes to drive into into work this morning during the middle of the lockdown it took me 21 minutes the best way to describe our Opinions Matter podcast is it's like a radio show, except it's not a radio show. It's like the old FM 104 phone show, except it's not the old FM 104 phone show. It's still Adrian and Jeremy doing what we do, but we've an awful lot more freedom to do what we do on our, on our podcast. So we release at least one every day. And if we can eventually start making a few bob out of it, then job done. Nah. We haven't yet, by the way
0: gets yeah, really okay. That's 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 the thing about it. It's, it's like you know, whenever you think about anything like you know, in the creative field, especially in Ireland, there, there's not as much opportunity to make you know, bank as they call it, you know, and, even in podcasts. But again, if you get sponsors and
1: ads on board, a lot, you know, ads will probably pay the way that's eventually. That's what we working on. That's yeah, work. <laughs> and again, for both of us, for myself and Jeremy, it's been a steep learning curve. Uh, if you'd have asked me about, you know, what's number one in the podcast char- charts in Ireland six months ago, I wouldn't have had a clue what uh, it is. Uh, uh, now I do. Uh, and I know that we're in the top 20 in the podcast chart. So fingers crossed, we're doing something right. And we may eventually start making a living out of it. I don't know how long that's going to take, though. Track back to
0: I want to go back to uh, the phone show. There was a guy called John who used to call in. Does he still call in? Remember John? I do. Uh, uh,
1: did we have, I think we might have had him on last week of the week before. John is a guy from Thingless. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And John was the most argumentative, I- opinionated man who, unfortunately, one night in the middle of a live radio show on FM 104, I was talking to him about whatever it was, about antisocial behavior or whatever it was. And in the middle of the show, live on air, He got a brick thrown through his window because he was on our show giving out about the local young lads or whatever. And he got a brick through his window. And it was the very first time ever in my life. uh, On my way home from work, I called into that man's house uh, to see the damage that had been inflicted on his house. And his house was destroyed by these young fellows and i got to know the guy uh he's a lovely man he's since moved from where he was living back then uh, but yes uh, does john still contact us yes uh, we did have him on the show only re- on our podcast only recently he is exactly what you heard on our show uh back then exactly he is and he still is uh, i just no. don't know where he lives now
0: oh, i can't thank you enough for coming on the show because you know i've been trying to reach out to you for a while and i appreciate i knew when I listened to you on the radio, I talk, they say never meet your heroes or idols. And I'm, I'm glad I met you because I talked to you. And maybe we'll see <laughs> each other someday. Because- That's
1: good. It's, uh, I, I remember meeting one of my idols, and I'm not going to say his name. Right? God. But he was one of the national radio institutions for years, and I idolized him. Uh, and I met him a couple of years ago at... Maybe 10 years ago at the Radio Awards, introduced myself to him, and he was so fucking rude, right? Uh, and I walked away and I went, oh my God, that was my hero. Anyway, I got talking to his daughter afterwards, told his daughter how rude he'd been. <laughs> and then next year at the Radio Awards, he came over to me, he bought me a pint, and he was such a gentleman and he apologized for being such a dickhead. So, yeah, it doesn't. Um, you, you can catch people on an off day, but I'm, I'm glad to have uh, to have met you, Shane. And thanks very much indeed for talking to me. All right, Shane. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. And that was
0: Adrian Kennedy. Yes, I would say I'd say he's an idol of mine. Growing up, listened to him on FM104 through my formative years. And I hope you appreciate this episode. It was Adrian Kennedy, radio DJ and also very well known here in dublin on the radio scene now once again my name is shane this podcast is called heartlines now i hope you enjoyed this episode if you Enjoyed this episode please like share comment and remember you're always welcome here in heartlines take it easy and bye bye